Hello, everyone, and welcome to the wonderful world of psychology. This is So About Your Advice, and I'm your host, Emily Aaron. For those of you who skipped the first episode, stop, go back and listen to it, and then come on back. Now that you're back, you know that I am a graduate student studying clinical psychology who has spent her entire life seeking out advice from friends, family, experts in the field, and celebrities. I started this podcast to parse out the psychological roots of certain pieces of advice and figure out how they can be implemented into our own everyday lives. I spend a lot of time asking my own friends and family members for their advice on specific problems I'm facing in my life, but I also spend an unhealthy amount of time on Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, where I often get push content with motivational quotes on it, because honestly, my phone knows me better than I do at this point. (laughs) And that's where the quote for today's episode comes from. I was casually browsing Instagram and I stumbled on a super cute motivational post with a quote from someone we've probably all heard of. Today we're going back in time to hear from one of the most influential figures in American history, someone who's often praised to this day for thoughtful commentary on the world and who just so happened to be the 26th president of the United States, Theodore Roosevelt. Teddy was a crusading, passionate president with a zest for life and was a treasure trove of pithy advice as well. My personal favorite, the one that has just always really resonated with me, is comparison is the thief of joy. I'm sure many of you have heard this phrase already. I'm sure you've seen it in the same places I have, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. (laughs) But the reason it's so well known is because it's just as applicable today as it was when Teddy originally said it. Comparison is a universal phenomenon, and in today's society, it can feel almost unavoidable. I know I personally compare myself constantly to friends, anyone I see on Instagram, really just everyone I can possibly find, I end up comparing myself to in some way. With the prevalence of social media, it can feel like we're constantly considering the similarities and differences between ourselves and others. And oftentimes, it can cause us to view our own appearance or behaviors or careers or relationships or whatever it is in a really negative light. I know I'm not just speaking for myself here when I say that comparison almost always ruins my self-perception. I always end up questioning the things that I'm doing or wearing or eating or feeling and the people that are in my life. It honestly robs a lot of the joy that I have in my life just because I'm constantly comparing myself to a measure of other people. But if comparison can so greatly impact us in such an adverse way, why do we all do it over and over again? Why is it that I go through periods of deleting TikTok and Instagram to avoid comparing myself to others, only to re-download everything a few weeks later and begin my cycle of self-degradation all over again? In 1954, a psychologist developed a theory to explain exactly that. Leon Fessinger, or Fessinger, not sure the pronunciation, (laughs) he was an American social psychologist who also talked about the idea of cognitive dissonance, which I'm sure we'll get into in a different episode, but he explained social comparison as social comparison theory. The social comparison theory basically explains the motivations that drive us to evaluate our own values, opinions, abilities, and achievements by comparing them to those of others. His entire theory comprises of nine hypotheses, which are all really interesting, and if you want to learn more, 
I'll go ahead and add a link to his paper, which is called A Theory of Social Comparison Processes. So that will be in the show notes if you're interested in reading all nine. Today, we're only going to cover a few just for time's sake. Bessinger starts off hypothesis number one by stating that there exists in the human organism a drive to evaluate his opinions and his abilities. Basically, this means that all of us are always trying to measure ourselves up. We're trying to see where we stand in our actions and thoughts within our surrounding environment. AKA, when I'm in class and I raise my hand and I ask a question, I immediately try to figure out, okay, was that really stupid? Or did that have even some small morsel of insight or intellectual thought? I find this hypothesis to be pretty straightforward. We have all felt that need to see how we measure up, right? We've all felt that need to see how we stand in terms of our opinions or our abilities or whatever it is compared to other people. We all want to make sure the things we're doing are appropriate or correct or just honestly up to par with what we think we should be doing. I definitely find myself doing this all the time. I always am trying to evaluate how I'm acting or what I'm saying and doing. It's just honestly really natural to try and measure ourselves and see where we stand in life. Festinger takes this idea a step further with his second hypothesis. It reads, To the extent that objective, non-social means are not available, people evaluate their opinions and abilities by comparison, respectively with the opinions and abilities of others. Basically, Fessinger claims that without any sort of standard quote-unquote norm or ruler, we have to rely on comparing our actions and thoughts to others to see how we measure up in society. This one is a little bit more complicated, but we'll try to break it down. Basically, there's no set of standards across every culture, across every country and religion that is quote-unquote normal. What is considered normal or average or appropriate really differs a ton across cultures and religions, and so there's no specific set of rules for all of humanity to compare ourselves to. Our only option is therefore to measure ourselves against the environment in which we're in. So without any sort of standard, do this, do that, whatever it is, we have to rely on our perception of other people to see how we measure in our society. This is where comparison can get a little tricky. Using other people as a measure for evaluating ourselves can be really difficult because it means that our standards will change depending on who we're using as the quote-unquote ruler. This is something that has historically been pretty dependent on a smaller group of people in an individual's immediate surroundings. So think way, way back, like to the 80s. My mom's going to be angry I called that way back, but it's a good example. My parents love to talk about how beyond their immediate friend group and the occasional TV show or movie that they would watch about people their age, they didn't have a huge amount of information they used to compare themselves to. They just kind of vibed and compared themselves mostly to the people in their immediate surroundings. But in today's society, We're exposed to millions more people through TV shows, movies, but especially social media. So unlike my parents' generation, suddenly we're comparing ourselves to the standards of exponentially more people. Obviously, this gets really hard. I follow hundreds to thousands of people on Instagram, some of who I know personally, some of who I've met in passing, and some I literally don't know at all. But I'm comparing myself to every single one of them every time I open the app and look at what they're doing with their life. 
My social group, unlike my parents, is not just my immediate friend group that I see on a weekly or sometimes when I'm feeling super extroverted daily basis. My social comparison pool is huge. It encompasses people in vastly different life circumstances who live in different countries, different continents, and yet I'm still using every single one of them as a measure against which I evaluate myself and my own life. This can be a very bad thing to do, right? Comparing yourself to someone who is living an entirely different life in a very different country, maybe even at a different age than us, that's not really a fair comparison. We're just too different. Okay, so we're going to skip ahead a little bit in Festinger's theory. Again, if you want to hear every single hypothesis, I urge you to go read his full paper. It is very academic, but it's interesting. I wanted to give you guys hypothesis number seven as well, because I feel like this one's especially important in the context of social media today. This hypothesis reads, any factors which increase the importance of some particular group as a comparison group for some particular opinion or ability will increase the pressure toward uniformity concerning that ability or opinion within the group. This one's a little long-winded and a little confusing, but the gist of it is that the groups or people we more highly value are the ones we're going to compare ourselves against the most and subsequently try to fit in with the most, try to emulate them the most. So whoever we deem to be smarter, cooler, more attractive, more powerful, whatever our standard is, we're going to increase the amount we compare ourselves to them rather to people or social groups we don't find to be as influential or as important. This, again, as the previous hypotheses have stated, can cause some issues. Not all of us should be comparing ourselves to certain people. So, for example, why am I comparing myself to a seven-year-old pianist I watched on TikTok playing Mozart better than Mozart himself and then getting upset I don't have that kind of talent? Seriously, let me know. Why am I doing this? (laughs) This is the part of Fessinger's theory that I feel applies the most to social media and specifically the rise of the influencer. Some influencers have gained a following because they have something unique to offer. So maybe they come from a lot of family wealth and they're living this life of luxury travel and shopping and dining experiences, and they're posting about all of it online. These kind of posts are so entertaining to watch because of their novelty, right? It's not every day you see someone who's jetting off to Rome and dining at the finest restaurants dressed in a full designer outfit. Not everyone in the world is experiencing this sort of lifestyle, so it's fun to engage with content that's so wildly different from how our life might look. But this kind of novelty content can also become the type we compare ourselves with the most. If this kind of account becomes someone quote-unquote ideal version of life, it's going to be the influencer or account the person is comparing themselves to the most and the most frequently. And if this person isn't able to afford that kind of life, it means the person is evaluating themselves against a model they will never be able to attain. Obviously, this can really start to prey on the person's satisfaction with their own life. If we're looking at some sort of high ideal, such as a luxury travel influencer or something like that, but we can't afford that lifestyle or we don't have that lifestyle, We're comparing ourselves against a standard that we're never going to really be able to reach. Okay, so to summarize Fessinger's theory of social comparison, 
We as humans are programmed to try to judge ourselves in terms of our opinions, abilities, and behaviors. And because there's no objective set in stone series of measurements that we can use to evaluate ourselves against, we turn to those around us as a ruler instead. And the people or social groups that we consider to be more important will be the ones we look to the most to measure. But now that we have an explanation of comparison, we have to start thinking about if it really is, as Teddy Roosevelt says, the thief of joy. Is comparison really always a bad thing? Psychology Today, which is one of my favorite websites, and I'm sure you guys already know this already, but it has a wealth of information about all things psychology. I highly recommend if you're interested in this topic or other psychology topics to check it out. It's a really great resource. So this website gives us a list of pros and cons about comparing ourselves to others. It says that social comparison can be really helpful when it's used in a positive manner to motivate or push ourselves towards bettering our actions and thoughts. So I was a competitive figure skater for about 15 years of my life, and I spent every single day pushing myself to improve as my fellow competitors did the same. The comparisons made between us during competitions by the judges were the exact same factors I used to motivate myself to crawl out of bed at oh dark 30 and start exercising in a 40 degree ice rink with the other 10 to 20 girls and guys shivering and yawning and basically still asleep. <laughs> in this manner, comparison is an essential component of competition and of promoting that drive to succeed. A lot of athletes and competitors in other arenas use comparison as a driving force of competition and as a motivating factor to push themselves harder to practice and practice and achieve the best they possibly can. Another example of this is the promotional system of a lot of workplaces. A lot of companies use the promise of promotions and raises given to very select employees to help push all the workers to better their production and this makes it really beneficial to compare yourself to your coworkers to see how you might rank in the running for certain promotions. Comparison between coworkers, while yes, it can easily backslide into a toxic environment, it can be beneficial in ensuring that everyone is working hard and really achieving the best they possibly can. Capitalism as an entire financial and social structure also uses comparison as a motivating factor. Companies compete with each other to lower prices and increase consumers' interest in their products versus their competitors' output. No matter how you feel about capitalism, we're not going to delve too much into politics or financial structures in this podcast. It can be a contentious topic, and we're going to focus more on psychology here. My point is, comparison is a driving force of both capitalism and a ton of other structures in our society, and it can have a lot of benefits in our lives if it's used in a healthy manner to promote competition. But, as I'm sure we all know, comparison can also absolutely destroy our self-confidence, especially when it's done in a so-called upward manner. As Festinger kind of talked about, Social comparison can be harmful when we compare ourselves only to people who we see as exemplifying a certain trait that we desire. So a very common comparison is to contrast our own social life, aka how many friends we have, how many social activities we're participating in, what our relationship status is, and we're comparing that with the most social person we know. Obviously, comparing ourselves only to that person is going to make us feel like we're lacking socially and we don't have as many friends as we should or we're not doing as much as we should, so on and so forth. 
We have to remember that this innate habit of finding the person who we consider the quote-unquote paragon of a certain trait and comparing ourselves only to that individual is often present in most of us. By understanding our tendency to do this, we can start being more mindful of when it's happening. And then from there, we can crack the behavior and consciously look around at people other than the quote-unquote paragon to compare ourselves to a wider pool of people. In this way, comparing ourselves more broadly can actually be helpful rather than just narrowing in on the person we see as quote-unquote the best. Social media only exacerbates this problem. Now, obviously, social media has a lot of incredible benefits. It can help us keep in touch with people from various stages in our lives, and it can help connect us to people who live far, far away on the opposite ends of the earth. It can be a source of inspiration, like all of the healthy cooking accounts I follow and never replicate their recipes from. It can show us beautiful imagery and give us infinite amounts of knowledge we wouldn't have otherwise had access to. In research, social media has been shown to have positive effects on public health, crime rates, career advancement, and more widespread political knowledge and understanding. It can help us form our identities, develop family and romantic relationships, stay informed on current news, and allow us to show the world our own talents, victories, and even just small moments of joy. A research study published in 2008 examined social media use and compared it with self-esteem, and they actually found a net positive effect on social capital with Facebook use. So essentially, it found that college students who used Facebook reported greater levels of cultivating and maintaining their friendships and relationships, which usually led to higher self-esteem. So they showed a correlation of Facebook use and higher self-esteem. Again, there are so many amazing things social media can bring us, and I don't want to discount any of those benefits here. However, social media can have an uglier side. With the rise of influencer culture, social media has become a platform on which individuals, with the backing of an entire team of people, they're presented in a heavily edited and stylized manner. Caveat to this, of course, there are so many influencers who don't cultivate this kind of refined image, and I'm not at all saying either way is bad. I consider myself an influencee in every way possible, so don't come after me. I am not at all hating on influencers. I'm just using it as an example. (laughs) The prevalence of cultivated social media presences can result in a feed full of productive morning routines, filtered appearances, designer clothing, exotic adventures, and seemingly perfect relationships. While all beautiful, interesting, and inspiring, this kind of persistent image of perfection can cause us to fall into that trap of comparing ourselves only to the paragons. We compare our appearance and our life to someone who we see as the ideal in that particular aspect. And therein lies the real issue with comparison in social media. It is trapping us in the error of thinking in which we only compare ourselves to what we as individuals and as a society have deemed to be the highest ranking people with a certain trait. Okay, so this is where Theodore Roosevelt's advice comes into play. Comparison, when done at this level against these kind of stylized or false images of perfection, really can be the thief of joy. Comparing our sometimes messy, often complicated lives against an idealized version of reality can cause some serious harm to our mental health and gives us a standard that honestly is kind of impossible to live up to. 
So how do we stop comparing ourselves to these paragons or even to just people in our own life who have a particular thing or relationship that we covet? My roommate had some really great advice for this one. She said that when you catch yourself comparing one part of your life with something or with a relationship or friendship that someone else has, stop and make sure you're looking at the entirety of their life instead. So as an example, let's say you just got out of a relationship and you're scrolling through Instagram and suddenly you see a post of one of your good friends who has recently gotten engaged and your friend is so happy and they're sharing so many photos and everything looks beautiful and amazing and suddenly you find yourself comparing your newly single status with their recent engagement and you start feeling down about yourself and maybe even feeling jealous about what they have. This is where you stop yourself. And you start to look at their entire life rather than just that one trait you're using as a comparison factor. Maybe they have a really difficult relationship with their family. Maybe they've just lost their job. Maybe they had to recently move to a new city and are having trouble making friends. Maybe they have a problem they're facing that you don't even know about. You cannot compare yourself to only certain parts of someone's life without taking their entire situation into account. It's unfair, honestly, to both yourself, but also to the other person. You're ignoring all the obstacles they're dealing with and focusing only on one particular aspect of their life. The reality is we're all dealing with something. We all have problems. That is just the nature of humans, and it will never go away. We will always all have problems. (laughs) Comparing yourself to only one small piece of someone else's life really discounts their humanity and your own. So my roommate gave us some great advice. But what are some other tips we can use to stop our natural tendency to compare ourselves from really being detrimental to our mental health? Dr. Susan Bialy-Haas, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her name correctly. If I'm wrong, please feel free to correct me. But she has some really great tips on how to prevent this from occurring in your life. One of her tips is to become aware of and then avoid your triggers. We'll go back to the example of getting out of a relationship. If you've recently become single and you notice that you're being triggered by other people's engagement posts, then now you have that awareness to avoid posts or engaging with content that will increase those feelings of loneliness by comparing yourself to someone else's relationship status. To bring it out of the social media context into real world as well, maybe you are really interested in having a wealthier lifestyle and driving past high-end stores or driving past neighborhoods with a lot of nice cars and nice houses really gets you down. In that case, that's your trigger. And maybe you want to start avoiding those situations a little bit more to avoid even having to compare yourself in the first place. This one we kind of already touched on, but I just wanted to remind you that you can't compare yourself only to a stylized, very specific aspect of someone's life. So don't just compare yourself to someone's social media presence. Make sure to remember that they're a full human with a full life and probably some issues that they're facing behind the scenes. One of her other tips is to be grateful for the things you do have in life. This one I find to be really, really important. Make sure that you're thinking about or even writing down all the aspects of your life that you're so happy about and that you're so grateful for 
to keep as a reminder that you don't have to be striving for something more all the time. Sometimes you need to just focus on the good that you have in your life already. This can really help to prevent that kind of upward comparison that we talked about that can be so damaging to the psyche. Finally, this one also ties back to one of our previous points, but use comparison more so as motivation to achieve something you want in life. As an example, I looked at other podcasts and thought to myself, wow, that's so amazing. I'll never get to that point. And instead of comparing myself in a negative light, I really used it as a motivational push to really drive myself towards starting it and seeing how it goes. I want to finish with the reminder that comparison is an innate part of being human. It's inevitable that we're going to compare ourselves to those around us. It can be a really healthy way of driving us to improve and motivating us to better ourselves as people or achieve certain accomplishments or just strengthen and nurture our relationships. Roosevelt's words are important to keep in mind, but just remember that comparison is natural and we're all going to continue to do it throughout our lives. So about Teddy's advice, comparison is a natural part of the human condition. But just remember to be mindful when you do find yourself comparing to friends, family members, even influencers and celebrities. Be careful to remember that everyone is going through things you may not see from the outside. And comparing your own life to a stylized or very specific part of someone's life is a skewed comparison, and it's not fair to you or to them. Quick note before the end of today's episode, I want to remind you that this podcast is in no way aiming to replace the value of mental health expertise. If you feel that you need to talk to someone, please, 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 I urge you to visit our website, soaboutyouradvice.com. We have an entire wealth of resources that can help you. That is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to So About Your Advice. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at soaboutyouradvice. If you're feeling so inclined, tell a friend who may be interested in hearing some advice or who you think may need to hear some advice. (laughs) Like always, keep it kind, mend your mind, and I'll be back next week to continue chatting all things psychology. Thanks for listening.